Good morning. Thank you. My name is Suzanne Viverito, and we have come together today at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation at Shelter Rock, where I am honored to be one of the worship associates. Our guest minister today is Reverend Daniel Lawler. Daniel is passionate about communities working for good. He is the minister at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of the Hudson Valley in Croton-on-Hudson. Reverend Lawler concentrated, concentrated in history at Brown University and is a proud graduate of Boston University School of Theology. At BU, he was inspired by the ongoing legacy of Reverend Dr. Howard Thurman, a 20th century civil rights leader and teacher who was committed to interfaith, interracial work for justice and healing. Prior to ministry, Reverend Daniel was a middle school social studies teacher in Fall River, Massachusetts, and a developmental director for after-school literacy programs in Oakland, California. Reverend Daniel <clears throat> and his wife, Yumi, are excited to call New York their chosen home. Shelter Rock, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> Shelter Rock is served by Dr. Natalie M. Fenimore, lead minister and minister of lifespan religious education, Reverend Daniel Carl Olson, associate minister of congregational life, as well as the associate minister for member and community engagement, Reverend Israel Buffardi. Whether you are a long-standing Shelter Rock friend or a newcomer, you are welcome here. Whether you are in the pews or watching from our live stream, you are welcome here. No matter where you are from, who you love, what you believe, and all the identities you carry with you, you are welcome here. Unitarian Universalist congregations seek to create a safe and loving space, place for all, a place to be challenged, a place to be comforted, a place to grow in the life-giving waters of community. To learn more about this congregation and Unitarian Universalism, please consider visiting our website at uucsr.org. And Reverend Daniel. Our chalice lighting words. The chalice words today come from Reverend Orlanda Brugnola. As we move through life, finding ourselves always newly wise and newly foolish, we ask that our mistakes be small and not hurtful. We ask that as we gain experience, we do not forget our innocence, for they are both, they are both part of the whole. Uh, you may now rise in body or spirit and join in singing the opening hymn, hymn number one, May Nothing Evil Cross This Door.
Reformation. Loved is the doctrine of this congregation, the quest for truth is a sacrament, and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to serve in freedom, to serve human need. This do we affirm and covenant with each other. Today's reading, Ordinary and Profound, is by Lorraine Hansbury from the Playwright at Work. The most ordinary human being has within elements of profundity, of profound anguish. That there is. You don't have to go to the kings and queens of the earth for profundity. I think the Greeks and Elizabethans did this because it was a logical concept. But every human being is in an enormous conflict about something, even if it's how to get to work in the morning and all of that. Naturalism tends to take the world as it is and say, this is what it is. This is how it happens. It is true because we see it every day in life that way. You know, you simply photograph the garbage can. In realism, I think the artist who is creating the realistic work imposes on it not only what is, but what is possible. Because what is possible is part of reality, too. And now I'm going to transition into the invitation to the offering. Each August, Reverend Reginald Benjamin of Abba Fellowship Ministries organizes a back-to-school supplies drive. This week's offering will benefit the children and youth of the village of Hempstead. Our congregation has participated in this effort for many years. The Sunday collection proceeds will be used to purchase needed supplies for this project. The need is great. 29% of the children of the village live in poverty. Please be as generous as you can. There are many ways to donate. If you are tech savvy, you can scan the QR code. You can also text UUCSR at 516 516- Two one zero two five two eight. You can also send via PayPal or drop a check 
or cash donation in the donation box outside located in the main lobby. Please make sure to write today's date, August 27th, 2023, on the memo line or envelope. Thank you for giving us your energy today. Now you can relax and listen to our guest minister, Reverend David Lauer. It is an honor and a delight to be here with you. The last time I had the privilege of coming to this congregation, you were still worshiping outside because of the COVID times, which we're still in, but in a different phase and a time where we can be in this sanctuary together. I invite us now into a moment of meditation, a moment of calm, a moment of pause, As we gather in this space, we recall all those around the world right now who are holding a heavy heart, who are living with the anger of the brokenness that we encounter, who are demanding that the world change and change fast. We hold close the families of all those grieving the loss of life all over our country we particularly lift up the families, the victims, the survivors in Jacksonville, Florida, which was recently a site of horrific racist violence. We remember the mourning across this country as we try to seek out a different way to be. This morning, I lift up words from a long time ago that speak perhaps to this moment, from Reverend Dr. Howard Thurman, who is from Florida and was a civil rights champion in the 20th century. This is his meditation, look well to the growing edge. Look well to the growing edge. All around us, worlds are dying and new worlds are being born. All around us, life is dying and life is being born. The fruit ripens on the tree. The roots are silently at work in the night against a time when there shall be new leaves, fresh blossoms, green fruit. Such is the growing edge. It is the extra breath from the exhausted lung, the one more thing to try when all else has failed, the upward reach of life when weariness threatens to close in on all endeavors. This extra breath is the basis of hope in moments of despair. The incentive to carry on when times are out of joint and many have lost their reason. This extra breath is the source of confidence when worlds crash. Look well to the growing edge. Look well to those blossoms. There will be a new time. Look well to the growing edge. And may we now hold that close in our hearts and spirit. And let us have a moment of silence.
may it be so. About a year ago, I went to a beautiful Reformed temple in Brooklyn Heights for services, and I told the rabbi afterward, you know, I'm a Unitarian Universalist minister, but I find, you know, the services so grounding. Is it okay if I go? And he said, you know, the prophet Isaiah says, my house is a house of prayer for all people. And since then, I've read and reread this beautiful chapter from the prophet Isaiah, which echoes that call to the growing edge and echoes, I think, a tendency, a trajectory in our faith of the wider heart. From the book of Isaiah, chapter 56, thus says the eternal, maintain justice and do what is right, for soon my salvation will come and my deliverance will be revealed. Happy is the person who does this, the one who fasts, who keeps Sabbath, not profaning it, and refrains from doing any evil. 
Do not let the foreigner who is joined to the Almighty say, the Holy One will surely separate me from your people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. For the Holy One says to all who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me, who hold fast to the covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name and they will not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Holy One, who minister, who love, and who are the eternal servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it, I will bring them to my holy mountain and make them joyful in the house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on the altar. For the house of the eternal shall be called a house of prayer for all people. And thus says the Holy One who gathers the outcasts of Israel, I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. A house for all people, a house of prayer for all people. May it be so. There's a place for us Somewhere a place for us Peace and quiet and open air Wait for us
Thank you so much. House of prayer for all people. I've been so moved by this reading, and it's kept being a reading that I encounter again and again in different contexts since that conversation with the rabbi at the Brooklyn Heights Temple. And to me, it speaks to something about this moment. If you read newspaper articles, whether it's local papers or the New York Times, you see again and again conversations about what is going on in our culture. Why are people so lonely? Why are people so anxious? Reverend Natalie Fenmore has a beautiful reflection in the August newsletter for this congregation talking about that discomfort in our culture right now and wondering what a spiritual community is called to do, how we are called to show up. I have been haunted by a statistic that says since 1990 to 2021, the number of Americans who say that they do not have one close friend has gone from 3% of our fellow citizens to over 15% don't have one person who they say is a close friend. And if you look on another trajectory in 1990, well over 30% of people said, oh, I know like 10 people. 10 people are my close friends from high school, from college, from work, who I could call on. Now only like 12% of people say they, have, they know 10 people well enough to feel that they have that circle of care and concern. We are in a moment where everything in our culture feels more intense. And part of that, I suggest, and so do many commentators, is because we're more lonely and disconnected than we have been as a culture at almost any point in the last 50 years. Lorraine Hansberry, that amazing playwright whose words we heard earlier today, once said that the role of intellectuals is to be at war with the illusions of our time. So here we are in the 2020s, and perhaps one of the illusions that we try to hold on to is this sense that everything's okay. It'll go back to normal. We can't go backwards. The last 10 years really did happen. All the disruptions from the economic chaos after the 2008 disruptions to so many families, all of the ongoing monetized social media bigotry, the political figures who promise the sun and the moon and often deliver pain, the reality of the COVID pandemic and the isolation and the hurt and the loss. This is all real. And as I've visited congregations around our metro New York area, I have had my heart grow encountering people desperately, hopefully, earnestly saying, how do we engage this culture right now? 
What can we do, whether it is in Westchester or the city or here on Long Island, how can we create opportunities to connect? And we've been doing a lot, just similar to the soulful sundown services you have in Westchester. I know congregations are looking at Friday night jazz services. I know in the city people are trying to experiment. What can we do differently? Maybe we need to do Sunday night services. Maybe we need to do something in the middle of the week. Maybe, maybe. And that's healthy. And there's a lot of discomfort with these attempted changes because we don't know if they're going to work. But what I know in my heart is that it's worth trying something even if it fails because pretending that we can just continue what was will not meet this moment. The congregation I serve in Westchester is an old country chapel. It's about 100 years old. In the life of its building, it has served the Methodist Church. It was briefly a Reformed synagogue. And since the 1960s, it's been a Unitarian Universalist congregation or across the street from a garage and a Dunkin' Donuts, which means a lot of people come in and out by our space. We're down the street from several apartment complexes. And I see teenagers coming back from school walk by our building, elders maybe getting a cup of coffee, pass by the building. And lately, partly in response to this ancient call from Isaiah to think about a house of prayer for all people, and also haunted by this statistic about the growing epidemic of loneliness, I've wondered, what does that 15-year-old think of our sanctuary? What does that elder who's getting coffee on a Wednesday. How does our building and community relate to their reality? We put up signs outside. We have beautiful signs. Life, love, mystery, black lives matter. Love is love is love. And I hope that those emblems bring some comfort and connection But I also think about, and this is what we talk about all the time, what can we do to live a little differently and maybe risk something differently to lean into this moment? Because I know right now there are very well-paid men on social media filling those teenage boys' thoughts with hellish ideas. And I wish the YouTube channels of all the Unitarian Universalist churches were getting a million hits every weekend, but I know that's not the case. And it makes me think about how do we have to do something different now than maybe we had to do even in 2010. Another statistic that's been walking with me as I've been thinking with Isaiah about this call for a house of prayer for all people Pew Research, they do studies for years, going back to the 70s, on the most trusted social institutions in the United States of America. Right now, did you know there are only two institutions in our entire republic that have the confidence of more than 60% of the American people? And those two institutions, it's not Congress, it's not the Supreme Court, it's not the press, It's not tech companies, it's not banks. It's the United States military and small business. 
Hardly any other institution in the country has more than 50% confidence. And most overall have confidence levels of 30 to 40%, if not 10. Organized religion, 39% confidence, plummeted since the 80s. If you zoom out and even just look at the political context in both of our major parties, you look at on the Democratic side, between 20 and 30% of that electorate support candidates for president who have never held elective office. On the Republican side, the third most popular candidate has never held any elected office. There is a profound distrust of institutions. It's almost as if the longer someone hasn't been involved in communal life, the higher level of skepticism our public has. And there are good reasons for that. And yet, I don't think any one of us would say American public culture in the 2020s is deeply kind. I wish it was. But our public voices often are incentivizing anger and division and not anger tied to healing and wholeness. This is a groaning moment. And I think about the moments that our ancestors have encountered in our faith tradition, the risks that at different points in time people have made, the risks to disrupt the Jim Crow regime in the South when nearly 300 lay leaders and ministers went down to the protest in Selma and Birmingham, the risks our institutional leaders took in the 70s. The UUA itself was one of the publishers of the Pentagon Papers and was sued by the US government for that. Both bodily protests and legal action, we have a history of taking these risks. We have a history as a movement of saying the circle of love can grow wider. We need to change our marriage laws so that all love is celebrated. There are moments where the culture was toxic, not in the same ways, but in different ways than now. And constellations of UUs in congregations of 10 to 5,000 said, we need to join other houses of worship. We need to join people of goodwill and work to create coalitions of healing. And this is a moment where we need to do that. Deep in our tradition is this idea of covenant. All across the world, really, from Maine to Manila, Unitarian Universalists make covenant, pledges, promises to one another. But there is a way that covenant can be misinterpreted or misapplied. There's an English Unitarian who talks about this notion in a pamphlet titled The Hymn Sandwich. It's kind of a funny title. But in this notion of covenant that Unitarian congregations have a possibility to be more than just about our promises to one another in the space, but our promises to those beyond 
are geographic walls. Our sanctuaries are not only, ideally, supposed to be about our ability to have respite from this dangerous world, as much as that's real, but it's also a site of recharging and recommitment and curiosity so that when we go out in the world and meet our nieces and nephews and talk with our neighbors, offer chance encounters of question and curiosity. My wife talks about conversations or opportunity to learn, not just to share, but to learn, to engage in dialogue. And right now, so much is designed in our culture to make us suspicious, and we have to resist that temptation because there are people right now who would love to engage in conversation, who are looking for mentors, who want to partner to do good. And the temptation to be a fortress, that is something across our movement we must resist. The boundaries of the sanctuary might end at the sidewalk, but the congregation needs to include the people across the street and across town. The prophet Amos and the prophet Isaiah and all those ancient voices for wholeness, they challenged the religious establishments of their time to say the focus is not only our rituals as anchoring and grounding and necessary as they are, but it's also how these rituals lead us to act differently, to engage and be curious and to show up. And it's not just on these big levels of political discourse. It's in our small day-to-day interactions. One benefit I have of being a a minister who serves a few different congregational communities, I get to go to a lot of community festivals, neighborhood festivals, and help with volunteer projects. But even in our families, I see this pattern where so often dads my age will come by with the family, they'll go to a booth, then they'll leave their wife or their partner with the kids, and then they'll go do something else. And I've been to enough places, I see this as a pattern, and these are 30-year-old men just leaving their partner to take care of the burden of looking after their kids. And I've seen this enough times that I'm like, this is a pattern, not, not, not something that we need to continue And I think about if we start asking how we disrupt, even just in our circles of family and neighborhood, what are some habits we can do differently? We're going to create ripples of role models and invitation and calling in so that in this time of loneliness, there are ways for us to interact and serve and connect. In this time of isolation, people can encounter role models who will bring them along and not incentivize demonization. Our faith is old, centuries old. Our sources of faith go back millennia, and they point to a connection deep and abiding and a reminder, an invitation, that while our rituals anchor And our sanctuaries are so holy. 
The house of prayer is a house for all people. That is our call as Unitarian Universalists. There is one world, there is one love, and we're called to widen the circle. In your circles, small and near, broad and wide, may we seek that challenge to disrupt what is unholy, to care for and nurture and sustain what beckons that invitation, and to show up. And to show up even when we don't know what to do because we're committed to learning and talking about it and making a mistake and trying again. I have faith in this congregation. I have faith in our ideals. I have faith in our movement. And the next 20 years don't have to be as alienating and disruptive as the 20 we just had. May it be so. May we be brave. Would you all please rise in body or spirit to join into the closing hymn, hymn number 1029 in the teal hymnal, Love Knocks and Waits for Us to Hear. this moment, may we be brave. May we remember that we are part of circles of dreamers and connectors and parents and siblings and neighbors, of caring citizens and gentle friends who are called to be present to one another. May we remember those who have gone before May we honor their memories close in our hearts. And as we prepare to extinguish this chalice, may we remember 
that flame of hope does not ever go out. And we are connected to this story. May you be surrounded by love and care and hope and goodwill as you connect with one another and strangers unknown in the days and weeks ahead. May it be so. You may be seated. And someone is trying to connect right now. So may we meet that person with love and hope and care.